welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynne Rafa, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your brothers and sisters in spirit. And since the presence of love is already within all of us, loving others should seem effortless, at least for most of us. But where that is not the case for some of us, let us remember that tomorrow is not promised to any of us. So we should truly be loved to one another every day that is given us. Let us start by consuming those old negative and selfish ways of thinking and being when it comes to loving all God's children and begin to sincerely love from our hearts by connecting more with our own mighty I Am Presence, the presence of love within all of us. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light And y'all be loved. The Life of Saint Isa, Jesus The earth trembled, and the heavens wept because of the great crime committed in the land of Israel. For there was tortured and murdered the great and just Isa, in whom was manifest the soul of the universe, which had incarnated in a simple mortal, to benefit men and destroy the evil spirit in them, to lead back to peace, love and happiness, man, degraded by his sins, and recall him to the one and indivisible creator whose mercy is infinite. At that time the moment had come for the compassionate judge to reincarnate in a human form, and the eternal spirit, resting in a state of complete inaction and supreme bliss, awakened and separated from the eternal being, for an undetermined period, so that, in human form, he might teach man to identify himself with the divinity and attain to eternal felicity, and to show, by his example, how man can attain moral purity and free his soul from the domination of the physical senses, so that it may achieve the perfection necessary for it to enter the kingdom of heaven, which is immutable and where bliss eternal reigns. Soon after, a marvelous child was born in the land of Israel. God himself spoke, through the mouth of this child, of the miseries of the body and the grandeur of the soul. The parents of the infant were poor people, who belonged to a family noted for great piety, who forgot the greatness of their ancestors in celebrating the name of the Creator and giving thanks to Him for the trials which He had sent upon them. To reward them for adhering to the path of truth, God blessed the firstborn of this family, chose him for his elect and sent him to sustain the fallen and comfort the afflicted. The divine child, to whom the name Esau was given, commenced in his tender years to talk of the only and indivisible God, exhorting the strayed souls to repent and purify themselves from the sins of which they had become guilty. People came from all parts to hear him, and marveled at the discourses which came from his infantile mouth, and all Israel agreed that the spirit of the Eternal dwelt in this child. When Esau was thirteen years old, 
The age at which an Israelite is expected to marry, the modest house of his industrious parents became a meeting place of the rich and illustrious, who were anxious to have as a son-in-law the young Esau, who was already celebrated for the edifying discourses he made in the name of the All-Powerful. Then Esau secretly absented himself from his father's house, left Jerusalem, and, in a train of merchants, journeyed toward the Sindh, with the object of perfecting himself in the knowledge of the Word of God and the study of the laws of the great Buddhas. In his fourteenth year, young Esau, the Blessed One, came this side of the Sindh and settled among the areas, in the country beloved by God. Fame spread the name of the marvelous youth along the northern Sindh, and when he came through the country of the five streams and Rajaputan, the devotees of the god Jain asked him to stay among them. But he left the deluded worshippers of Jain and went to Jagarnath, in the country of Orsas, where reposed the mortal remains of Vyasa Krishna, and where the white priests of Brahma welcomed him joyfully. They taught him to read and to understand the Vedas, to cure physical ills by means of prayers, to teach and to expound the sacred scriptures, to drive out evil desires from man and make him again in the likeness of God. He spent six years in Jagarnath, in Rajagraha, in Benares, and in other holy cities. The common people loved Isa, for he lived in peace with the Vaisyas and the Sudras, to whom he taught the holy scriptures. But the Brahmins and the Kshatriyas told him that they were forbidden by the great Parabrahma to come near to those who were created from his belly and his feet, that the Vaisyas might only hear the recital of the Vedas, and this only on the festal days, and that the Sudras were not only forbidden to attend the reading of the Vedas, but even to look on them, for they were condemned to perpetual servitude, as slaves of the Brahmins, the Kshatriyas and even the Vaisyas. Death alone can enfranchise them from their servitude, has said Parabrahma. Leave them, therefore, and come to adore with us the gods, whom you will make angry if you disobey them. But Isa, disregarding their words, remained with the Sudras, preaching against the Brahmins and the Kshatriyas. He declaimed strongly against man's arrogating to himself the authority to deprive his fellow beings of their human and spiritual rights. Verily, he said, God has made no difference between his children, who are all alike dear to him. Isa denied the divine inspiration of the Vedas and the Puranas, for, as he taught his followers, one law has been given to man to guide him in his actions, fear the Lord, thy God, bend thy knees only before him and bring to him only the offerings which come from thy earnings. Isa denied the Trimurti and the incarnation of Parabrahma in Vishnu, Shiva, and other gods, for, said he, the eternal judge, the eternal spirit, constitutes the only and indivisible soul of the universe, and it is this soul alone which creates, contains and vivifies all. He alone has willed and created. He alone has existed from eternity, and his existence will be without end, there is no one like unto him either in the heavens or on the earth. The great creator has divided his power with no other being, far less with inanimate objects, as you have been taught to believe, for he alone is omnipotent and all-sufficient. He willed, and the world was. By one divine thought, he reunited the waters and separated them from the dry land of the globe. He is the cause of the mysterious life of man, into whom he has breathed part of his divine being. And he has put under subjection to man, the lands, the waters, the beasts, and everything which he created, and which he himself preserves in immutable order, allotting to each its proper duration. The anger of God will soon break forth upon man, for he has forgotten his creator, he has filled his temples with abominations, and he adores a multitude of creatures which God has subordinated to him, and to gain favor with images of stone and metal, he sacrifices human beings in whom dwells part of the spirit of the Most High, 
and he humiliates those who work in the sweat of their brows, to gain favor in the eyes of the idler who sit at that assumptuous table. Those who deprive their brothers of divine happiness will themselves be deprived of it, and the Brahmins and the Kshatriyas shall become the Sudras of the Sudras, with whom the Eternal will stay forever. In the day of judgment, the Sudras and the Vaisyas will be forgiven for that they knew not the light, while God will let loose His wrath upon those who arrogated His authority. The Vaisyas and the Sudras were filled with great admiration, and asked Isa how they should pray, in order not to lose their hold upon eternal life. Pray not to idols, for they cannot hear you, hearken not to the Vedas where the truth is altered, be humble and humiliate not your fellowmen. Help the poor, support the weak, do evil to none, covet not that which ye have not and which belongs to others. The white priests and the warriors, who had learned of Issa's discourse to the Sudras, resolved upon his death, and sent their servants to find the young teacher and slay him. But Isa, warned by the Sudras of his danger, left by night Jagurnat, gained the mountain and settled in the country of the Gotamides, where the great Buddha Shakyamuni came to the world, among the people who worshipped the only and sublime Brahma. When the just Isa had acquired the Pali language, he applied himself to the study of the sacred scrolls of the Sutras. After six years of study, Isa, whom the Buddha had elected to spread his holy word, could perfectly expound the sacred scrolls. He then left Nepal and the Himalaya mountains, descended into the valley of Rajaputan and directed his steps toward the west, everywhere preaching to the people the supreme perfection attainable by man, and the good he must do to his fellow men, which is the sure means of speedy union with the eternal spirit. He who has recovered his primitive purity, said Isa, shall die with his transgressions forgiven, and have the right to contemplate the majesty of God. When the divine Isa traversed the territories of the pagans, he taught that the adoration of visible gods was contrary to natural law. For to man, said he, it has not been given to see the image of God, and it behooves him not to make for himself a multitude of divinities in the imagined likeness of the eternal. Moreover, it is against human conscience to have less regard for the greatness of divine purity, than for animals or works of stone or metal made by the hands of man. The eternal lawgiver is one, there are no other gods than he. He is part of the world with none, nor had he any counselor. Even as a father shows kindness toward his children, so will God judge men after death, in conformity with his merciful laws. He will never humiliate his child by casting his soul for chastisement into the body of a beast. The heavenly laws, said the Creator, through the mouth of Esau, are opposed to the immolation of human sacrifices to a statue or an animal, for I, the God, have sacrificed to man all the animals and all that the world contains. Everything has been sacrificed to man, who is directly and intimately united to me, his father, therefore, shall the man be severely judged and punished, by my law, who causes the sacrifice of my children. Man is not before the eternal judge, as the animal is before man. Therefore, I say unto you, leave your idols and perform not ceremonies which separate you from your father and bind you to the priests, from whom heaven has turned away. For it is they who have led you away from the true God, and by superstitions and cruelty, perverted the spirit and made you blind to the knowledge of the truth. The Unknown Life of Jesus Christ, by Nicholas Nodovich, 1890. Isis Unveiled Volume 2, Chapter 5 
Having thus traced the similarity of views respecting the Logos, Metatron, and Mediator, as found in the Kabbalah and the Codex of the Christian Nazarenes and Gnostics, the reader is prepared to appreciate the audacity of the patristic scheme to reduce a purely metaphysical figure into concrete form, and make it appear as if the finger of prophecy had from time immemorial been pointing down the vista of ages to Jesus as the coming Messiah. A theomythos intended to symbolize the coming day, near the close of the great cycle, when the glad tidings from heaven should proclaim the universal brotherhood and common faith of humanity, the day of regeneration, was violently distorted into an accomplished fact. Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God, says Jesus. Is this the language of a God, of the second person in the Trinity, who is identical with the first? And if this Messiah, or Holy Ghost of the Gnostic and pagan trinities, had come in his person, what did he mean by distinguishing between himself the Son of Man, and the Holy Ghost? And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven, he says. And how account for the marvelous identity of this very language, with the precepts enunciated, centuries before, by the capitalists and the pagan initiates? The following are a few instances out of many. No one of the gods, no man or lord, can be good, but only God alone, says Hermes. To be a good man is impossible, God alone possesses this privilege, repeats Plato, with a slight variation. Six centuries before Christ, the Chinese philosopher Confucius said that his doctrine was simple and easy to comprehend, Lun Yu, chapter 5, section 15. To which one of his disciples added, the doctrine of our master consists in having an invariable correctness of heart, and in doing toward others as we would that they should do to us. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles, exclaims Peter, long after the scene of Calvary. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John, says the fourth gospel, thus placing the Baptist on an equality with Jesus. John the Baptist, in one of the most solemn acts of his life, that of baptizing Christ, thinks not that he is going to baptize a God, but uses the word man. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man. Speaking of himself, Jesus says, you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. Even the blind man of Jerusalem, healed by the great thaumaturgist, full of gratitude and admiration for his benefactor, in narrating the miracle does not call Jesus God, but simply says, a man that is called Jesus, made clay. We do not close the list for lack of other instances and proofs, but simply because what we now say has been repeated and demonstrated by others, many times before us. But there is no more incurable evil than blind and unreasoning fanaticism. H.P. Blavatsky Few are the men who, like Dr. Priestley, have the courage to write, we find nothing like divinity ascribed to Christ before Justin Martyr, AD 141, who, from being a philosopher, became a Christian. Muhammad appeared nearly 600 years after the presumed deicide. The Greco-Roman world was still convulsed with religious dissensions, withstanding all the past imperial edicts and forcible Christianization. While the Council of Trent was disputing about the Vulgate, the unity of God quietly superseded the Trinity, and soon the Mohammedans outnumbered the Christians. Why? Because their prophet never sought to identify himself with Allah. Otherwise, it is safe to say, he would not have lived to see his religion flourish. Till the present day Mohammedanism has made and is now making more proselytes than Christianity. Buddha Siddhartha came as a simple mortal, centuries before Christ. 
The religious ethics of this faith are now found to far exceed in moral beauty anything ever dreamed of by the Tertullians and Augustines. The true spirit of Christianity can alone be fully found in Buddhism, partially, it shows itself in other heathen religions. Buddha never made of himself a god, nor was he deified by his followers. The Buddhists are now known to far outnumber Christians, they are enumerated at nearly 500 million. While cases of conversion among Buddhists, Brahmanists, Mohammedans, and Jews become so rare as to show how sterile are the attempts of our missionaries, atheism and materialism spread their gangrenous ulcers and not every day deeper at the very heart of Christianity. There are no atheists among heathen populations, and those few among the Buddhists and Brahmins who have become infected with materialism may always be found to belong to large cities densely thronged with Europeans, and only among educated classes. Truly says Bishop Kidder were a wise man to choose his religion from those who profess it, perhaps Christianity would be the last religion he would choose. In an able little pamphlet from the pen of the popular lecturer, J. M. Peoples, M.D., the author quotes, from the London Athenaeum, an article in which are described the welfare and civilization of the inhabitants of Yarkand and Kashgar, who seem virtuous and happy. Gracious heavens, fervently exclaims the honest author, who himself was once a universalist clergyman, grand to keep Christian missionaries away from happy and heathen Tartary. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 16 Blessed ones, I hope you will wear the cosmic miracle mantle of the angelic host's sacred fire victory over all in this world. You can have it. I offer it. I am privileged to offer it, and there are others, every ascended master can offer it. And you will find it is a very tangible reality, and in a moment of crisis, it can become instantly a precipitated garment. This is what the higher mental body does when the individual, calling to the mighty I am presence in an hour of crisis or accident, when the call goes forth for protection, the higher mental body can precipitate that body or that garment instantly, and catch the physical body and carry it back to safety. It has been done millions of times on this earth. It can be done again. Applause. Thank you so much. I will not hold you longer, but just learn to live in the Ascended Master's world of the miracle manifestations of the sacred fire that will never again allow human creation to touch you. You can have it if you decree it. You can have it if you call it forth. You can have it if you love it. But you can't have it if you doubt it. When you doubt that which is greater than yourselves, you lock the door of your own world against the fulfillment of your own call. So, to those who will accept us, and will accept the use of this, I assure you, your blessings will be without limit for eternity. They will forever set you free, and they will clothe you with the power to set others free. So, it is well worth every effort that you make to come into the use of every activity of the sacred fire that sets your nation free. Tonight, may this nation be filled with the angels of the sacred fire, their miracle manifestations pour forth with such power that the hordes of evil cannot move, and they are dissolved and consumed, or removed as quickly as possible by the cosmic law. Blessed ones, just experiment with two or three days, calling forth around yourselves the angelic host's miracle mantle of sacred fire manifestations of the indestructible perfection and protection and victory that is the angelic host's control of everything in this manifested world, and see for yourselves its control of physical conditions around you. 
And if you pour your love to those conditions, the sacred fire's love will as surely transmute them into perfection as you make the call. So just go forward, become aware of it by using it. And then as you become the fulfillment of the cosmic law, your power becomes part of your life stream for eternity, and your world then becomes our world of the sacred fire's loving control of manifestation. Beloved Archangel Michael, So blessed ones, you can live in our world of the sacred fire. And we knew that when we gave you the use of our ascended master consciousness. Now we give you the use of our sacred fire manifestations that only our love can produce. So if you clothe yourselves in the angelic host's miracle mantle of the sacred fire manifestations, the answers to your calls will not only come more quickly, but our visible, tangible presence will come more quickly. And when we come, we come to render a certain service. So, as you move forward into outer physical conditions to correct them, you will need this to which I refer, because its indestructible protection is absolutely imperative around you if you are to enter into outer world activities and consume that which the sinister force has generated. And until the sinister force is completely consumed, your protection is absolutely necessary when you move in the outer world. So we commend you to the use of those powers from the ascended master's octave that have made us master over all in manifestation. And now you need our mastery to stand against the conditions of the outer world until they are purified for eternity. So, we clothe you in whatever sacred fire miracle manifestations will help you to gain your freedom and keep you indestructibly protected until the cosmic law has raised you into the freedom and the mastery of the angelic host's almighty power of victory over all in this world. I commend you to that mighty attainment which is, I assure you, part of your attainment of the ascension. Our love will ever abide with you. The sacred fire will ever control conditions in and around you. And your freedom depends on the amount of it you call forth in and around yourselves, and that which you use to free your nation, because as your nation becomes free by the sacred fire, you, being a part of it, must automatically become free also, in the victory of the ascension. So, the angelic host sacred fire forever abides with you to raise you to eternal freedom. Thank you with all my heart. Beloved Archangel Michael,